0: Join Tim and Christina Madden, co-founders of Executive Career Upgrades on their podcast, The Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. As an executive in today's highly competitive job market, it can be tough to succeed. However, with Tim's nationally recognized career advice and Christina's mindset expertise, you can reach your full potential. Tune in to upgrade your career and get ahead of the competition.
1: All right. I believe we are live. Let me double check. We are live, everyone. Hey, hope everyone is having a great day today. Hey, welcome to the Executive Upgrades podcast with your host, Tim Madden. Hey, the beautiful Christina Madden is on a little getaway right now, right? And hey, if you don't know who we are, we help those targeting six figures and multiple six figures, right? How to land, how to retain, right? The job and money that they deserve in the marketplace. And additionally, with all things career, Right. Because once you get the job, you have to keep the job. And once you keep the job, the goal would be hopefully to get promoted at the job, right? Hey, we go live each week inside the Executive Core Network, which is the fastest growing career network, to my knowledge, on the internet. So come check us out on Facebook. Over 12,000 directors, VPs, and executives in the job market here in America. And as always, hey, to our friends on YouTube and LinkedIn and in the Executive Core Network, I will be monitoring the, the comments. And lastly, before we really get started, hey, if you get anything out of this episode, do us a favor, leave us a review over on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else on the internet. Um, we appreciate you. And as always, hey, if you need help in your career, it's Q4 right now. If you don't know, this is when companies are hiring the most uh, statistically each year. So if you need help, right, landing the job and money you deserve, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. So without further ado, do. We have a special guest for you today, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get started. Episode 103, Breaking the Glass Ceiling, Hey, Empowering Women's to Soar. So let's bring on our special guest. Hey, we have special guest, Aline Tafe here with us. She's a leadership coach, a TEDx speaker. She's a Kellogg professor, board director, and author of the mirror book, Breakthrough the Hidden Barrier that that locks successful women in place. And she's been an an executive at Fortune 50 company. So no one else, I think, is better to speak on this matter with you. And uh, Ellen, before we get started, I saw this quote that you had shared on social media. And it says, my advice is not to change the amazing results driven leader that you are, but show more of yourself and motivation to others. How do people start doing that? (laughs)
0: They do it in little steps at a time. I mean, sharing who you are, what motivates you, your why with your team is a great way to stay connected, especially if you're incredibly driven. And, and sometimes in particular with women that that people are looking for that warmth and, and you can share it with what you're motivated about. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for looking up that quote.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It caught my attention. Well, because one of the things I want to see, right, is you've been super successful, obviously, throughout your career, right? Predominantly just Mm -hmm. due to a lot of hard work, right? But with that being said, one of the things that we always talk to our clients about, and this is off topic just for a second, is I noticed that you are still saying staying consistent on social media. And specifically on LinkedIn, one of the things I always find curious is what is Ellen talking about? What is she posting? What is she commenting on? And I notice that in addition to everything you already do and writing books and being a professor, you still find time to to engage with other people on LinkedIn. Um, and I know that's so powerful nowadays, right? Yeah,
0: well, i I believe that um, those connections that we make and that we can build, we can it's a way to share who we are, and what's our message about. I mean, I'm certainly doing more of it as I uh, share more concepts from my book, but I have to say I really love it, and I love also sharing other articles or other examples of tremendous leadership or, you know, women supporting other women, um, things that, you know, we're all challenged by as we build our careers. So I actually love LinkedIn, um, and I love you know sharing my own thoughts and others as well it's been a great way to connect to people
1: absolutely i couldn't agree with you more so you wrote wrote a book called the mirrored door and my wife and i were looking at some of the the details you you talk about a mirror door representing a time when you might have been faced with an opportunity but then you're like questioning yourself of like hey am i really worthy or or ready for this opportunity can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that's where a lot of the times our clients kind of struggle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and your clients are not alone. Many of us struggle with it. And I think in particular, women do. Um, and you know, the mirror door is really my metaphor for this dynamic uh, that so many women face where we have an opportunity, we reflect internally and think, I'm not sure, I'm not ready. I need to do all this other preparation. when in reality, so often it's a distorted view. and there is such an opportunity to move forward into action. It, that's really where all the growth is. And you know, it's supported by all kinds of research where uh, women in particular are waiting for, I need to have ten of the ten skills listed mm-hmm. on the job posting. And, and we really need to understand that's the company's wish list. So being able to move forward into action is really an important thing. So I'm trying to raise awareness to that. And, you know, this view that we have to open the mirror door before we can get anywhere close to the glass ceiling.
1: Absolutely. Why do you think this is a question I was always find curious? And I'm going to make a general assumption here that I might regret later, right? But when we talk about valuing yourself right i see that almost a lot of high achievers just in general have this problem and i think you know and then a tremendous amount of women have the women have this problem why is that why is it like that someone else can see the abundance of value but when you're looking internally you're like i just don't see it
0: yeah you know what it there are multiple layers to it to your first point high achievers are used to achieving a lot and having that success and they're likely to go on to another opportunity that they don't know how to do yet and that's an uncomfortable situation when you have mastered something previously they said you know there's research that says 70 percent of high achievers have imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and and i think it's just a sign that we're stretching into something new and of course, we haven't done it yet, and that feels uncomfortable. And, and you know, sometimes it plays out as feeling like the imposter. I think with women, and and you know, I appreciate you saying that because we do fall back on what feels like stereotypes, and and you know, disclaimer here, you know, women are not a monolith, but so often we grow up socializing in a way that teaches us cooperation. Making sure that we are, you know, perfect, um, please others, very other-oriented. How others think of us really matters a lot. We learn the cues of fitting in, and that our hard work will pay off, and that really works well for us in school. For example, seventy percent of valedictorians are young women, mm-hmm. and then we get into the workplace, and and we are less comfortable with proceeding forward with uncertainty, with imperfection, whereas I think guys grow up a lot of the time in more of a competitive, a bit more like one-upmanship way of relation relationships with others that teaches them to, you know, fake it till you make it or, or to, you know, move forward with uncertainty. They get a lot more, you know, much more comfortable with that, and that's a harder thing the further we go into the workplace, it's a harder thing for many women. Um, And we end up, we go inward and doubt ourselves. Uh, And we need to start believing when other people believe in us and see the strengths that we have.
1: Absolutely. I saw a quote recently that just talks about successful and non-successful people. I think it was a Georgia Tech football coach. And he said, the successful people will work harder than anyone and still worry like they're not doing enough. Right. And then you could already understand the, the, the opposite dynamic there. And I was like, that's so true. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. And then for the high achiever, we're talking about just continual success and yeah. 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 So what in your opinion, right. What are, see, it's, it's always hard for me sometimes to talk about these different things, whether it's women race, employment status, because I was a military guy for so long that we never talked about like a woman or this guy is from this. So it's very interesting now to transition into corporate America many years later and see that there's so many you know topics around these dynamics. So my next question is, in your opinion, what are these common misconceptions or stereotypes that women encounter as they strive to break through these different levels? Because working with a lot of women, I know that they're worried about this, right? They're worried about like, how do I do this? How do I break through? And I'm like, you, I'm agreeing with you, you already have the skills, right? So why do you think that is, these common misconceptions or stereotypes that that they encounter?
0: I, I think, you know, as I said, I think a lot of it is from growing up and from succeeding academically where there was a rubric and hard work and you could be able to make things happen and then you get in the workplace and, and apply some of those same things. And so there, there's really some steps that we need to take to assess our realistic readiness because I think there's like an instinctive thing of like, I'm not ready um, that is so often true of, of, of people. And so we have to really like break that and disrupt that default that that happens for us. Um, And so, you know, that those are some of the things that I I recommend in the book, because I think we can fall prey to things like over preparation on our way to trying to be perfect. And the misconception there is, is that you have to be perfect. And, and, you know, you just can't be. Um, And so what happens is it can hold us back from making decisions in a timely fashion with limited information, and a lot of things that happen as expectations rise for us in organizations. If we are holding back, moving forward, awaiting or, or for a more perfect self or time, or if we're holding back because we think raising a conflict is going to impact a relationship, then we're going to really limit our career. So there, there's some of these things that we are so invested in how we show up and, and those relationships when we really have to, you know, break apart what that, what those, um, conceptions are all about.
1: Yeah. Follow-on question, Mm -hmm. specifically women, right? We know that it can be overwhelming because some of the things you said is upbringing is kind of like, don't rock the boat. But again, if you want to get to the next step in your career, it's typically going to be uncomfortable. So if you've been, you know, trained to like go with the flow, don't, you know, um, the, those type of things, but then you get to the first encounter that's extremely uncomfortable because essentially you have to go against anything you were taught. I can only imagine this is so overwhelming. Do you have like just this is the first step? It could be part of a 10 step process in your book, but what is really if you have advice for some women specifically that are listening, what is the first step of like, I'm overwhelmed. I never wanted to rock the boat. I do want to have a successful career, but every time I start to do it, I start getting uncomfortable. So what's what's the step one here for these women specifically? Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I think that when we learn not to rock the boat, it's really about others' opinions, and, and this other orientation that I think, you know, girls and women are more um, uh, trained to believe is so important. And what's good about that is, is you know, it gives us a lot of strengths. We, we are strong at building relationships. And I think the first step is to tap into the care that comes along with that, the care that we have for other people and likely for the organization or the company and our own career tap into the care to take the the smallest kind of conflict and move forward on it and rock the boat and so it's it's like taking small steps tapping into that care and having the courage to say you know what for the sake of our project deliverable I have to raise an issue with the timeline. Can, let's talk through that. And so it's it's this tap into what we're, we're you know stereotypically so good at, that care of other people. Tap into that and pair it with courage to, to speak up, to say something. But I think like tackling a small thing so that we can build the muscle, Mm-hmm. is the best way to go versus some, you know, like it getting to an extreme point yeah. um, where we're rocking a boat and and we all go in the water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I loved what you just said there. One of the things because I do know a lot of people and I'm sure women too struggle with this whole self-worth value thing. And some of the times, you know, the advice I give people is, hey, if you can't do it for yourself because you like can't make sense of it hey, do it for your family, right? Mm-hmm. Do it for the future financial stability, yeah. do it for the for the future team who, who needs you. So sometimes for the people that can't get out of their own way, right? Some different perspective is, is just, hey, maybe you can do things for other reasons as well. So next question, I know you've had, and still do have, right? A sex, successful career in corporate America, right? Has this ever happened? Let's go back in the day to Ellen, right? Ellen's getting her in your first executive job. Did you go through? You, you know, I know some people are built different, I like to say. How was your experience moving up these different ladders? Did you, you, you well, I can only assume that you went through what everyone else goes through. Would that be accurate?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I, I think, um, you know, for each, I, I have five strategies in the book, and I would say, Um, These are strategies that can become perilous if we don't create that disruption to them. And I think I've experienced all of them. I think for me, um, I have that, you know, the first one is preparing to perfection. And I think that I struggled the most when I went into a new situation where I held myself to these sky high expectations that like, I shouldn't speak up or I shouldn't, um, make a big recommendation until I know more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think that, that happened, you know, I, I know it happened when I moved from sales into brand management, I think in more recent years, just even becoming a professor that, you know, I, I was a brand management, um, leader mm-hmm. and, um, becoming a professor And, uh, you know, that was all new to me or even becoming a board director when I, um, you know, in more recent years, joined a board where it was in an industry that I had not had experience in or a big part of our business was in an industry I hadn't been in. And I was really quiet. And Mm -hmm. um, finally, someone said to me, I am just dying to know what you think. Yeah. Your your fresh perspective can add so much to us. And mm-hmm. it's like that was just the most amazing, you know, in, in two sentences, the most amazing coaching advice to me to just say it in that way. Like, you know, we in reality, we get hired for a reason for the skills we do bring. No one really expects us to know everything 100 percent, but we hold ourselves to that. And so so I can be a selective you know perfectionist and my you know my go to sadly is that I will hold back. So my counter is I actively go into meetings and think I'm going to I'm going to speak up 3 times in this or you know I'm going to make the first comment um and and not discount it by saying things like I know I'm new here but you know those those kinds of things. So so we have to we have to understand what Where are our areas of um, where we can get in our own way and hold ourselves back thinking we're not ready? And then what can we do in small ways that will grow and build that muscle over time?
1: And I know it's difficult in the worst place right now, right? Because the influence of perceptions, what should women actually be doing in the workforce, you know, in some of these other companies? what can we do to overcome some of these like distorted self-reflections that ultimately hold women back? Right. Cause I think like, you know, in other corporations, I know we have women leaders here and, you know, NASCAR, me and Christina did something for them last year. They have a whole department actually called women in NASCAR is a whole department where all of the women, Mm -hmm. they promote women leadership and training and, it's just the women. I was like, man, do the men have something like this in NASCAR? You know, it, it, it was pretty cool. But the question was, how are the realities of some of these, like, workplace, right, perceptions of what women should be doing? What can women do to overcome some of them? Because sometimes they ultimately hold us back as well. So this isn't, right like, like, a value thing. This is something different. Any comments there?
0: Yeah, I, I think that um, for women to... Um, get past these things. I think one of the best things we can do is get really good at getting feedback uh, and and checking into our realistic readiness to move forward into things, to understand how expectations change as we rise in the organization. And we may work for someone who's not very good at giving feedback. And so... Mm -hmm asking powerful questions like, where do you see me get in my own way? or how am I tracking given that I am six months in this job? Or you know, how am I tracking towards that promotion that I am looking for? And so so feedback is one critical area. And then I also think relationships as far as like our networks. Um, so whether they're in our company or outside our, our company, um, research shows that the most successful women have a, a small, they, they have what a lot of men have too of like trying to build a network of people who are well connected, but also they have a close knit group of people that are go to um, that, you know, help to provide sort of private information in the sense that like you've worked for this person, I'm looking at going for that job tell me more about what that was like or you work at this company you know what have you heard or do you have a network and so the, this idea of like a close group of people where you can also you know sometimes it's called personal board of directors where you can also have people give you um their their take their perspective on on you and the things that you're looking at um, you know ideally it's people who know you and um, can help to give you advice, challenge your thinking and help support and nurture you as well. And so that's particularly important for women. Um, and the last thing I would say is it's important that we, we speak up when there are you know, outdated policies or um, there's things that are biased and, and that's where we really need our allies also to help speak up if someone's getting feedback or pushback that would not be given to a man who said the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really important as well.
1: So a lot of what you said there was essentially be, be a good, effective communicator. It's going to serve you well throughout your career. So you were saying you're right to with the boss, the, the feedback, sometimes people don't know the specific when they have those Those like, it's hard to get feedback from my boss. It's really the quality of the questions, just like you said, where sometimes when you phrase it a different way, you finally get that feedback that you need. But if you're not, don't know good questions, effectively communicating. And you also said building a network. You know, that's Mm -hmm. something we talk about all the time inside of our programs here. And so many people kind of don't take the time to do. And it's hard in your career when you're, when you're rising to the top, you it's almost impossible to get there without knowing and having advocates. But let's go to the next one I have for you. What it So it's 2023, it's Q4, right? What do you believe are some of the new opportunities or emerging opportunities or challenges, whichever you want to talk about or both, for women in executive roles in the coming years? So do you see like a a specific market like emerging for women executives challenges? What, what do you think the future looks like over the next couple of years for women?
0: So for executive women, you know, I, I think staying focused and resilient is really critical, um, in, in the face of certainly some things that they might face like, um, you know whether it's microaggressions or biases or things like that those things can really wear on you and so staying focused um, on what your goals are and what your why is can be really important we, we see many times women leave the corporate world to go build a better culture on their own mm-hmm. um, which is great i support entrepreneurs but i also think staying at it, we can change the workforce and, and change the culture. Um, I, I think that what has come out of the pandemic and how much it, it you know, exposed our whole lives, whether that's, you know, kids or, or dogs walking through the room, um, that I, I think that, that what um, almost all generations want right now are leaders who can take care and take charge. And I think that, you know, the stereotypical feminine side of that is take mm-hmm. care. The stereotypical masculine side is take charge, but we need, we need leaders to do both. And I think that we have really moved out of the command and control yeah. styles of the past there are times for those things, you know, We're in a crisis sometimes you need to be very commanding or controlling, um, but we, we need to add to that more collaboration and compassion. And I think in particular as leaders trying to um, win the war for the best talent, I, I think the great news is that yo- younger generations want to work in places that have leaders who take care and take charge who do both those things so i think we're uniquely situated to be able to do that we just have to get out of our own way
1: yeah i love your words uniquely situated i'll agree with you there women our are, are better i agree with you in today's if we're talking about the leadership that's needed in 2023 i completely agree with you right that I do think that women have a leg up on even some of the men be simply because of the next generation of the workforce, kind of what they're doing. And you're right. I love the word that you used. I was thinking of when you were talking about, uh, I don't remember what you said, but it was kind of like, Oh yeah, we need someone to take care and take charge. And I was thinking, you know, it made me think like, this is not wartime right now, right? We don't need to yeah. command troops. We don't need to do anything really, unless the company's falling apart. That's really the only time you, you may need that to get it back together. But everywhere else, that was a really good analogy. So thanks for sharing that. What, um, what advice do you have for women looking to achieve executive level positions in their career? And furthermore, I'd really like to know how did you end up at a couple of the places you did right the vp at the big company right because what i've seen is it's very it typically doesn't happen if you want to be the vp who oversees marketing at a large company you're typically not going to get that off indeed or something like that you're going to get it through networking relationships or something how did you get your kind of higher level positions did someone tap you on the shoulder that you used to work with or did you just put in an application did you network how, how did you achieve some of these higher level roles?
0: Yeah, I, I so in um, at PepsiCo, I moved up. I started in sales for Quaker Oats and moved into brand management. And and so that was identifying, you know, what functional switch I wanted to make, and found some mentors that helped me to understand it, and and really just declared that's what I wanted. And then as I moved up from brand manager to VP there, um, it was through, I think, hard work, doing what I needed to do. I turned around some businesses and launched some other businesses. Um, I think there's a lot to building our competency early in our careers of, of um, you know, building core skills and you know, in the in the world that I was in, in PepsiCo, brand management has a financial component. It has people leadership. It has strategy. And there's, you know, particular skills in the world of marketing. And so that gave me a breath. Um, and as I had different, you know, I worked on new products. I um, worked on, you know, a brand equity kinds of things. So I had different experiences that helped shaped shape me. I think to be able to run multiple businesses. And that's how I was able to move up by basically adding on more businesses. Um, And then I also did a strategy role for the corporation, um, which was also really helpful for me. You know, I learned a lot and just learned more about, you know, how does a whole enterprise work and how do we manage risk and go after opportunities. Um, so that was very helpful. And then, as I as I left PepsiCo, um, I got recruited to other companies. I worked in travel and hospitality, going to Royal Caribbean, and then um, in home durables, going to Whirlpool. Um, and then, you know, I I I view like my career stages as building the competencies in that functional area of brand brand management, brand and portfolio leadership. Um, but I own the businesses too, so I think it's really important to get financial experience um, as well. And then I think moving across industries, I, I feel like that was a part of my career that was kind of more mastery. Can I take what I already learned and and apply it to new industries, um, new you know customer uh, situations and consumers as well? You know, very different going from like granola bars to um, what are our seven restaurants on a ship and how do we deploy people around the world? So like massive change. But, you know, if you learn the, the strategy and how to think about consumers and customers and all that, it, it's a, um, it's a great part of building your mastery of applying what you know elsewhere. And then I think late in my career, I'm much more in a legacy phase of, um, you know, much more guidance and oversight, teaching, writing, you know, so so becoming a professor and teaching a leadership class, and becoming a board director, um, where, you know, you're guiding the management team, it's more of an oversight role. And then also, you know, coaching and writing as well. So I'm, I'm much more in the, um, I think, kind of a giving back um, mm-hmm. place now. I'm glad you said that
1: because i always tell people when they're when they're when they're trying to post on linkedin their first article or they're they're doing something right i always tell people like how selfish would you be to have to figure out everything that you had to learn the hard way right over yeah. your whole time in corporate america we always kind of have jokes and saying how how um selfish would you be to not share that with other people so they didn't have to you know, go the long route? Because basically what you were talking about throughout your career, it kind of molded down into four things. You had to figure out what you want inside those companies. Then you had to find the mentors. Then you had to extract the knowledge. And then simply you had to put in the hard work to actually apply it. And if you continually do that, who would have thought? Now you're, you know, doing successful things. So I think a lot of people overthink that so much. One thing I do want to, one more question I do want to ask. We got two more guys, and then we're gonna wrap up. The first one is, how do? Well, first I do want to talk about your book and Ra- Raquel Christy. Do me a favor and drop a link to, um, the 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 book. Ellen, why did you decide specifically to write this book?
0: Um, I was seeing um, that things hadn't changed as much as I would have thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I saw this in my students and in women that I coached. And I have two young adult daughters as well. So I, um, I found that I'm just passionate about this. You know, I found myself as a board director um, as the only woman on a couple boards and that's how I started my career decades ago. So it it, it lit a fire under me. Um, and I, I saw women holding back when they were easily as capable to move forward. And, and that's really where it where it came from.
1: Yeah. Final question. I don't even think this is predominantly women. I'd love to see some research or stats around this. But Why we work with a lot of successful people here that have already had, you know, good careers, right? Looking for their next opportunity. Why is it so hard for people to ask for help, whether it be women or men? And I don't mean like help to build their network, help to just ask how something works. Why are most people like afraid to do that when literally that is the keys to the kingdom, right? That's like making success easy for yourself. Why do you think people struggle so much around that?
0: Yeah, I I think we have a a crazy notion that asking for help means that somehow signals weakness Mm -hmm. and it actually signals strength, Yeah, you know, because it's a way of, you know, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. And I have a lot of respect for that. Um, You know, so here's what I don't know. And here's where I could get more perspective, more help. So, you know, I, I would say it's helpful to unpack, you know, why, do, why does an individual resist? And I think somewhere rooted in that is, is that it will look bad. Um, and sometimes I think people think, I don't want to be a bother. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bother other people. When um, it's like in, in the idea of networking, so often, you know, it can be a bother if it's like, can I pick your brain or I want a job? Mm -hmm. But if it's tell me your story about, you know, how you, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how you found supply chain or, you know, whatever, um, you know, finding someone's asking about someone's story. That's a way of asking for help so that you can learn, boy, is there something about that that appeals to me that that's that's a, you know, career idea for me or what's it like to be a VP at this company um, that's a form of asking for help, too, or just asking for help of like just give me perspective. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. Um, or I'm here's an issue I'm facing. Uh, help help me to think through my best options to go after.
1: That could probably be one whole book, and what I got from that is <laughs> learn how to ask really great questions because you're right when you you could ask it this way and not get a response and ask it a different way and build. Yeah. You could have a lifelong mentor. Closing comments, right? One message you want to say to, we, you know, there's lots of people watching right now. It's going to be streamed to the internet later and more women are going to download it, right? If you had something you wanted to say to the women that were trying to go after leadership roles, um, any closing comments on your side? Something maybe we didn't cover where, hey, I would really like for women to know this.
0: I I would say that courage comes before confidence. So often many people, especially women, are looking for confidence. That Mm. comes from trying new things that with uncertainty and we learn to win or stumble and get back up. And it's really courage is the prerequisite for moving into action. And so if you ever get feedback, like you need to be more confident, that's terrible feedback. But tap into the courage you have, you likely have. Think back to when you were courageous. That's the thing that can propel you into action. So that's my biggest advice.
1: Absolutely. I that's a good one. You should look at trademarking that. So, hey, just repeat <laughs> what she said. Courage comes before confidence. Couldn't agree more. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Executive Career Upgrades podcast. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for what you're doing, right? Putting information out there so that women can go get the job and money they deserve and be fulfilled in their career, just like you were. And um, if you need help in your career, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. Until next week, have a great day, everyone.
0: Thank you, Tim.